This podcast is brought to you by HealthCareInfoSecurity.com, the leading online publication for risk management and security professionals within the healthcare industry. This is Howard Anderson, news editor at Information Security Media Group, and today we're talking with Susan McAndrew, Deputy Director of Health Information Privacy at the HHS Office for Civil Rights. Thanks for joining us today, Sue. That's my pleasure. In your presentation here a minute ago at the National HIPAA Summit, you talked about the um, omnibus package regulations going to the Office of Management and Budget this weekend, is that right? That's right. Um, the regulations um, were posted and accepted by um, the Office for Management and Budget on Saturday, I believe, uh, which means that they begin their review uh, of the regulatory package, both for its economic impact as well as uh, sharing the regulations with other federal partners. They centralize all the federal feedback, so uh, we are looking forward to getting comments uh, back from OMB as well as our other federal partners um, on this, and this is really the final clearance lap uh, for these uh, regulations, and we're very uh, happy that that's happened and um, anxious to get these uh, done and out so that um, people can begin to have their new rights and business associate can begin to be covered uh, by the security and privacy rules directly. And you mentioned that typically the Office of Management and Budget Review takes about 90 days. Could it take longer than that or is that your expectation? Typically they have 90 days. Um, I know that they have a significant workload right now uh, with regard to regulations. And I believe in a couple of cases they have asked, um, they can ask for extensions of time uh, to complete the review. But we are hopeful that these regulations will go no longer than the 90 days. Very good. So just real quickly, the, the major components of the omnibus package. Uh, basically, um, there are four regulations that we are doing as part of this package. One is to final. Um, the high-tech notice of proposed rulemaking that was put out in July of 2010. Um, the, uh, I think the major piece of that is the business associate liability. That's the HIPAA modification? These, these are, all of these modify either the uh, HIPAA privacy or security rules, um, the HIPAA enforcement rules, and um, we're also, uh, one piece of the package is to final the breach notification rules. So two other components are a final, are a final version of the enforcement rules that that was uh, interim final back in 2009, and um, finaling the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act privacy protections, and those were based on a notice of proposed rulemaking from 2009. Okay, in your presentation, you discussed a bit the risk of harm provision that's in the interim final breach notification area. And you described that the final version of the regional notification rule will have more details about that or more guidance on that or, or, or what? Well, uh, we did have in the interim final breach notification rules um, that the compromise of the privacy or security of this information was to be assessed uh, if there was a significant risk of harm. Uh, to an individual from the impermissible disclosure of that information. We did get a number of comments uh, on the harm standard, including comments that um, trying to determine harm to the individual uh, was uh, too subjective 
a standard um, and we have um, been working with entities uh, under the interim final rule in terms of uh, how they how they've been dealing with with the harm standard so we've been, we're taking all of that into consideration and we will be addressing as part of the final rule how to go forward uh, with assessing what the what what the risk is to the to the compromise of the privacy or security of the information from one of these breaches. So some folks were arguing, get rid of it altogether and report all breaches. That's not the step you're taking. Um, you know, I I don't think um, because the statutory language uh, does confine uh, the breach to where there has been a compromise of the information uh, as a result of the breach, and it's. So it's really a matter of how best to define when when a breach um, does result in in the compromise of the, of the data. So it'll be much more clarity in the final version than there was. We in the are interim. we are hopeful that um, the standards will be um, sufficiently clear and objective uh, going forward, as well as um, we are working on some additional guidance, uh, which will help entities, particularly smaller entities. Uh, that may encounter breaches to uh, help them uh, identify what the proper steps are to uh, a risk assessment. And in your presentation you mentioned a couple other pieces of guidance will be coming out in conjunction with these final rules, is that right? Um, we're working on a variety of guidance pieces. Some may come out, for instance, uh, we are working to finalize the guidance on how to best de-identify health information. Um, and we are hopeful that that will be out sometime in April. Um, but most of the guidance pieces, for instance, on uh, minimum necessary, business associate um, contract model language, uh, and other information that will help with implementation, uh, we're t targeting to be issued um, in conjunction, at the, well, at the same time that we issue the final regulation. And that appears to be on track for later this year. Yes, hopefully um, it will be uh, whenever we uh, get through the OMB clearance process. Can you shed any light on what the delay's been in getting this to OMB? Oh, I don't think you want to know. <laughs> well, I do, but okay. <laughs> we'll go to another subject. Your office recently announced the resolution agreement with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee tied to a breach that affected about a million people, and the settlement called for a $1.5 million payment plus a corrective action plan. Um, does it mean we'll... We can expect to see a number of similar settlements tied to other major breaches reported under the rules requirements in, in the months ahead? Or? Um, yes. Um, you know, we are using uh, the breach reports as a way of identifying uh, cases. It's not that just because you've had a breach that you automatically will get a, a fine. It really is looking at the underlying or the root cause of the breach and what actions uh, the entity took either to prevent it from happening in the first place or remedying it uh, after the, uh, the vulnerability came to their attention through the occurrence of the breach. So all of those activities uh, will be assessed and where there has been some uh, problem or some non-compliance uh, with the regulation as in the Blue Cross Blue Shield case, um, I think uh, we will be uh, providing um, some enforcement activity as well as uh, making sure that there's adequate corrective action 
finally, are there particular lessons we can learn from the details of the Blue Cross Blue Shield breach, uncovered uh, by your investigation, how similar events can be prevented? You know, I think one of the main takeaways is to be is to make sure your security risk analysis uh, is a living document, and that is when you are facing a major change in conditions, you need to go back to your original risk assessment and see if those original protections that were put into place remain relevant given the change in circumstances. And I think that's what Blue Cross and Blue Shield failed to do is when they were changing locations and vacating premises, um, they did not uh, deal adequately with the uh, protected health information that was left in the vacated space, uh, and that left it vulnerable to the, to the theft and the, and the breach that occurred there. So um, it's making sure that you, you do take these changes uh, in circumstances into account and then you update your risk assessment as uh, net or risk analysis uh, as necessary to ensure that all information is protected. Thanks very much for taking some time today, Susan. Oh, it's my pleasure. I appreciate it. This podcast has been brought to you by healthcareinfosecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.healthcareinfosecurity.com.